I've been to I've been to the toilet before we started. That's always important. <laughs> well, I've made a list. I've made a list of all the things that we're not allowed to talk about today. Oh, have you? So is yes. it going to be like QI that if we say one of them, then, <clears throat> then yeah, you get a buzzer? I don't know, because I've never watched QI. Have you not? <gasps> no, never. Oh, my. See, that's, that's as bad as me not watching House of Fools. That's one of the things that we can talk about, but not I until the after show banter section. Okay. Oh, okay. So on my list... Oh, we could do serious stuff for us. I didn't realise this was so draconian. Oh, man, you know, I'm organised these days. It's a new era. It's a new me, an all-new me. (laughs) I'll believe it when I see it. Doctor Who, top of the list. Yay. Because people who watch Doctor Who think they're going to hear spoilers, and people who don't watch Doctor Who think, what's the point of listening? Because we don't listen, we don't watch Doctor Who. So we can't talk about Doctor Who today. Oh, we can't talk about Doctor no. Who? That's top of the list of things you can't. Yes, no, this is what we can't oh. talk about. There's probably not much to say at the moment anyway. No, it's kind of in the off-season, isn't it? Yeah, well, it is. Food. Can't talk about food. Ah. Uh. Because people are bored with me moaning about brioche burger buns. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> and various other topics around food. <laughs> Well, isn't that just what the show's about? I mean, I thought so. I mean, you know, people should know what they're getting by now. Malarkey's Food Adventures. It sounds like you've got your the wrong relationship with your listeners, Andy. You're letting them dictate what you waffle about, and I think you need to put your foot down and 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 assert some authority. Well, I can't make them listen. I I want them to like me. I want them to like me, Paul. See, I, they, oh. that's not the way that I do things. They can just piss off if they don't like what I I cover. That's Is that how attitude. it works in Boag world? That, that's why only three people listen. <laughs> there could be a crossover that we could actually just have like a, a unique listener each. Oh, and just sort of share them on a sort of timeshare basis or something. Exactly. If you're, if you're up there, Ian, listening. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Mum. <laughs> <laughs> no, we can't talk about food because, well, you know, we can't talk about food, especially, oh my God, I can't believe I'm going to say this, cheddar milkshakes. What were you talking about? Yes, I know. Oh, well, no, we can't talk you... about it. Oh, yeah, we can't talk about it. But uh, are you asking me? or? Well, okay, we'll make an exception because they sound disgusting and I want to know all about well, them. You know, you know, you get those uh, like cheese slices that are like, um, like edible post-it notes. Yes. <laughs> You know the ones I mean? The ones that you always put in a burger that you cook on the barbecue, so you have a burnt burger, artificial cheese. <laughs> well, actually, I, I use it to recreate a McDonald's Egg McMuffin at home. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, that works. My, my son loves it. But do you know what? Sometimes, sometimes when I need a little quick cheese fix, I'll just roll one of these things up and I'll eat it. And the, the way that they make them is they, they put a lot of milk in them and that's what helps them to be so easily meltable. Like you, so you put them in, hold them in your hand and they'll just start, you know, oozing. Um, and I just had this sort of taste of this very kind of milky cheese and just thought, why, why isn't there a cheese milkshake? Cause it, you know, it left this rather lovely taste in my mouth for quite a while afterwards. And I thought if I could have that in milkshake form. It would be, you know, even better. Isn't essentially that that 
a milkshake that's been just left to stand for a very long time. No, but it's it's not processed in the same way that that kind of cheese is. Okay. You know, it hasn't got that same level of fakeness. Right. Yeah, that's like real cheese. <laughs> Would you put like cheese straws in it? You could do, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a little work. cheese cheese straw umbrella or something. Something like that. I mean, you see milkshakes that have cream, squirty cream on the top. Yeah. And oh, hundreds and thousands. You could What's do a bit wrong? of Parmesan. Yeah. But Anna Debenham said, I'll sell you a can of squeezy cheese with a, uh, not squeezy cheese, was it? Squirty cheese, you know, squirty that aerosol cheese, cheese yeah. with a straw. And I thought, well, you know, that's, that's maybe not bad, but yeah, I think someone's got to have a go at making it. It's not real cheese, that. Yeah. Well, it isn't. That's the thing. And I like all types of cheese. I don't just like artisan cheese. I like the processed, you know, very barely cheese stuff as well. You do anyway. realise that when you start talking like this, John, you you are turning yourself into a two-dimensional stereotype of yourself. That That's what, all you talk about is cheese. What, why are you talking in the future tense? I thought that, you know, this has been <laughs> the case for years. I've got, a, I've got a stereotype to live up to. Look, anyway. we can't talk about food. It was oh, on the late. list of things that we can't talk about. <laughs> to be fair, mine, that was a drink rather than food. Ah, okay. yes. Ooh, an exception. Like that. Yes. Mm. Okay. He's on my side. Another thing we can't talk about, bicycles, because... <laughs> yeah. well, I have to fine. say I'm very enthusiastic. I think that is a good thing to ban, because that, that borders on exercise. And you two really have become quite, you know, you've become those kinds of people, haven't you? That just I, go, I would, I, likes to go I, on about yeah. their superiority, because they... <laughs> A lot. Oh, come on. I think Andy's the only one here with a superiority. I mean, have you seen them? There's have you seen my superiorities? The, the, the muscles. Have you seen the muscles he's been showing off in his photographs? I try not to in look this. at those kinds of photographs. I think I prefer to look at Bruce in his mankini, if I'm honest. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A real man. Yeah. I have you to thank, Paul, for this newfound enthusiasm in, in health and fitness. Because <laughs> if it wasn't for our challenge about a year ago at Smashing Conf, I wouldn't be the Greek god of a man that obviously I am now. The protein mix eating. I mean, I had the body of a Greek god before. It was just covered with a layer of flab. <laughs> it had and some padding. It was, and now, yes. So, no, uh, yes. So we, okay. we mustn't talk about that. We mustn't so we're not going to talk about that either. Oh, no, no fitness, yeah. no bicycles, whatever. And there's a few more, because I don't, I don't want this show to be controversial. You know, I want to be inclusive. <laughs> I want it, everybody to think that we're a very kind of, um, you know, diverse show, diverse group of people that comes yeah, on the yeah. show. Don't want to be controversial in any way. So we can't talk about empathy. Oh, no, fuck off. <laughs> What, what, I don't, that's Hang on over my head. Sorry. Is there some, is there some kind of secret controversy I don't know about? Is this yet? one of your mute filters? No, it's one of my mute filters. Yes. I have actually have a Twitter tweetbot mute filter with the word empathy because, oh man, next person that tells me that we need to have empathy to be designers, gonna punch them in the face. <laughs> that's because you've got no empathy. Somebody did say that. They said that's a strange thing to say. How heartless of you. Anyway. <laughs> Fuck off. Conference code of conduct, moving swiftly on. Oh, mustn't yeah, talk about definitely. that. No, I agree with that. No, must not talk about that and Germans, particularly Germans. We mustn't talk about them. So <laughs> I should, I guess, 
10 minutes in, I should explain, by way of a pathetic attempt at an introduction. Oh, have we started? <laughs> yes, no, we started long ago. Oh, I, I thought, thought this was preamble. Yeah, yeah, I thought you were just explaining to us what we're not supposed to be covering on the podcast. Because you were swearing, Andy, and I thought that wasn't allowed. Oh, no, we can just bleep it out if I can be fucking bothered. <laughs> I <laughs> should oh, just make sure you fucking do. <laughs> that I have invited one of my favourite comedy duos onto the show this week, because it's John and Paul. Hicks and Barnick. Hello. Pipe and pyjamas. I, I resent being called a comedian, and I resent being put in a duo with John. <laughs> oh, thanks a lot. I, I was don't just see thinking, why. You two oh. have been cuddling up on that other podcast recently. Have we? Yeah. Have we? What podcast was that? In your own podcast. Oh, yes. I'm so glad you remembered. <laughs> God, you've got the memory of a sieve. It meant nothing to you. <laughs> I mean, it was a long time ago. It was like November, I think it was. Yeah, oh, I can't remember. It came out last month, but it was, you know. I'm so well organised that I'm working like, you know, a year in advance now. Oh. You even got your shit planned, haven't you? I have, yes. And and can we move this along? Because I do have one scheduled for later today. <laughs> right. How many, are you doing six list. a week now? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's a podcast a day. <laughs> Well, you know. Oh, now- I see. Not- okay, I thought you were talking about something else. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving swiftly on then. I've made yes. a list of things that we have to talk about as well today. Okay. okay. I'd like to talk about Paul's adventures with the green screen. Because have you seen this, John? He's bought himself a green screen for making <laughs> no. videos. And see- now he thinks he's fucking George Lucas. Uh, 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 <laughs> well, he probably is now. <laughs> when- you didn't include that in the show notes. You no, can't I didn't. just suddenly slip something <laughs> in like that. I want to talk about Paul's new motorhome, obviously. It's all about me. I like this. Keep yeah, going. that's all right. And um, and then we can talk about some other shit as well. <laughs> For an hour. Shoot the Why is this podcast called Unfinished Business when there's no business in it? There used to be business, but Anna took it with her. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, so I, I'm uh... left with, with, with burger buns and, uh, and wing and hotel kettles, which, you know, is fine by me. <laughs> So what is this green screen thing for then? Because I've seen you've been doing a lot of video. I have and been then doing then you've, you know, you've been investing in this green screen to presumably pretend that you're in exotic locations when in fact you're in the back of Beyond in Barnsley. Actually, do you know what? It's, it's almost the complete opposite of that. The, the, the thing is, right, I want to go travelling in my new spangly motorhome. Bastard. But I, uh, to do that... I need to be able to pay the bills while I'm doing it. Um, and I've discovered that doing video content is a lot of fun and is a lot easier than, than real work. So as I'm traveling around, I need to be able to re- do video stuff in the motorhome. Now, I know this is beginning to sound ridiculous, but it is feasible. But what we don't want is a boring motorhome background. We want some kind of more professional environment. So I've bought a green screen to cover up the fact that I'm in some exotic location in my motorhome and make me look like I'm in some boring office building somewhere. Is it a bit like BBC News? You're just going to see lots of people working away behind you. Exactly. On, on, on stories. Yes. Well, I'm thinking about going, is it, is it Fox News or, or, a, um, or some American channel where they have those massive iPads in the background? Have you seen that? Yeah, oh, I've yes. Um, I think I've seen it on something like Bloomberg or some of those yeah. bizarre channels. Yeah. So, so I'm going to have that in the background. I've decided just now. 
Literally. Have you seen that thing on BBC News recently where they have got like a massive, what looks like a massive touchscreen and the guy just sort of stands in front of it flicking icons around and like, oh, look at what's happening on Twitter. And it's it just, why? It's like <laughs> touchscreen for touchscreen's sake. Yeah, exactly. it's a gimmickry, isn't it? it people, wow, people who've seen Minority Report and think, we're in the future. He can flick stuff. Was this green screen thing expensive? No, actually. It was really cheap. It was like £12. What? And, and that That's was amazing. A, and that was no, that was an expensive one. I mean, basically, it's just it's just material, isn't it? Stretched over a frame. It's not exactly you know rocket science. I suppose so. And do you get the frame with it? Is that the deal? Do you get the yeah. It's kind of it's one of those you know those kind of um, pop up things where you have to twist it at a really complicated angle to get it yeah. back into a minute little container. Oh yeah, yeah. It's one of those. Used to have those sort of things in photography. They called them laster light reflectors. And they were like on a, it was almost like a sort of a trampoline stretched like a, a wire frame around the outside. You sort of twist it in a weird way. Yeah. And it that's pops it. into, pops into your pocket. Yeah. yeah. So it's not very big, but it's, it's big enough to encompass me. And then I can cut me out and shove me on whatever background I like. Can you put video behind or does it have to be stills? No, it can be anything you want. Wow. It's really, it's very impressive. I mean, to be honest, the impressive stuff is in Final Cut Pro. You know, Final Cut Pro does it. You're mocking me now, aren't you? I can tell I'm just sniggering this, I'm, going on. I'm just getting this vision of various things like uh, a giant fish um, about to eat you or, the, you know, the Batman and Robin running away from things or something in the background. You could you know, put anything you wanted in the yeah. background. Me and my son had quite a lot of fun with it before before I actually thought, no, I bought this for work. I should do something constructive with it. So can you give me an idea, a rough idea of your kind of general shooting setup? Are you shooting video on the iPhone or have you got a dedicated camera? How's it working? I, I am the cheapest setup that I can get away with to get kind of v- vague quality. I've probably spent under £500 on the whole thing. Um, that includes, uh, a dedicated video recording, um, camera thingy, um, which is a very cheap bottom of the line kind of 250 quid camera, um, that you can plug a lapel mic into. And I've got a cheap kind of condenser lapel mic. I've got a couple of lights and, oh, my most expensive, the um, item that I purchased, which will send it over the 500 quid. I forgot about it is a little, um, like teleprompter type setup that goes. Ah, I was going to ask about that. Yeah. And basically it's, um, it was 250 quid. You can get it from Amazon and you put your iPad on it. Um, and you can get teleprompting software on the iPad ever so cheap. Um, and it kind of basically reflects it back at you and you can, and away you go. And that's it really. Well, I've been experimenting with some of that teleprompter software on the Mac for conferences. Yeah. Thinking, you know, oh, it'd be quite nice to have that, you know, on a little thing at the front of the screen. Because I think conferences should do the whole thing. They should do the, you know, Barack Obama teleprompter setup. But, oh, so what's the difference between this thing then and just like sticking your iPod on a stand? Uh, it, it basically it goes right in front of the lens oh so that because i for ages i was trying it you know with just having notes right next to the camera but you can see the eye line looks wrong you look like you you look really shifty basically because you're not making eye contact at any point more well, shifty than normal yeah more shifty than i naturally do and as i have quite a high shiftiness thresh you know kind of natural level 
I felt that I needed to actually look like I was caring about people and looking at them. So yes, this goes right in front of the lens, effectively reflected off of a piece of glass. How cool. It is mm. very cool. But I tell you, it's a slippery slope because you, you become, the more you do it, the more fussy you get over it and you moan about the quality's not quite right. Oh, I need to buy better light and then you need to buy a better camera and then you need to buy a better microphone. And before you know it, you could easily spend thousands on it. It's, it's a bit like bikes that we're not allowed to talk about. <laughs> you know, you can really get carried away and it, it you know, and actually you, you spend an extra five grand on a, on a better bike to go a quarter of a second faster. It's like that with video as well. You know, you spend five grand to have just slightly better picture. So are you making videos to sell? Is that what the deal is? Um, no, I'm working with, um, a couple of people. I'm working with Tuts Plus. Um, and I'm working with How Design and um the guys over at learnable and i'm recording various courses on different subjects and basically so so they pay me a, a a fee and then they resell it on their networks so i'm basically passing on my years of wisdom in video format wow so short series then yeah i'm done <laughs> just waiting for that i'm waiting for some kind of gag about that <laughs> it's just like <laughs> mini series <laughs> it's like little and large or something <laughs> no it's pipe and pajamas Pipe and pajamas. <laughs> well, what's this? Is this a House of Fools reference? No, this is this is a this is a Hicks and Boag reference. Is it? Yeah. What? What? I, what? Again? I well, he's pipe like your I'm... he's pipe your pajamas. Why am I pajamas? Because you spent a you said on Twitter a few weeks ago that you spent a very exciting day on a Saturday in McDonald's yes. and buying pajamas in Asda. Right, that is true. I did. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't forget these things. In fact, when you say shit like that, I just make a note of it in my notes so I can bring it up and embarrass you later. You have a file on everyone, do you? I do, yeah. That would be awesome. Like, you are the NSA of the web, <laughs> the web community. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what the acronym stands for, but I can't. Not seriously something. Arsed. Yeah, Arsed. It's got to have the word arsed in, doesn't it? <laughs> Now, this sounds fun because I, I did some video for New Riders years ago, some mm. DVD things, which I don't think anybody watched. I watched but, them. But the thing, and I, yeah, oh, God, what a haircut. Honestly, what was I thinking? That's there the was, trouble with video, isn't it? That's why I'm more of an audio person. Yeah, well, it doesn't to, matter for you, does it, the haircut thing? Y- no, it doesn't. I'll tell you, it makes it very easy to green screen me. <laughs> <laughs> Because I've got nice. no kind of little bits sticking out. You don't want to have any kind of reflection in your head, though, do you? Any kind of shine? No, well, yeah, shine, that's a bane of my life. You know, I have to <laughs> put makeup on the whole time. It's, you know. <laughs> reflection of the Hawaiian scene outside the motorhome, <laughs> <room>, yeah. <laughs> but I was thinking that, you know, because I do these workshops and it would be quite nice maybe to just break them down into little chunks. Mm. And, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do with them, but yeah. But there's a few people I noticed that, uh, and I was talking about this with Jonathan Snook a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And he's just been recording some kind of intros and outros to a video series that he did. And looks really slick. You know, he's just shooting on the iPhone. Yeah, yeah. So he hasn't gone for the whole kind of, well, maybe he's got a, you know, hasn't got a motorhome in the background. Ultimately, it's all to do with audio and lighting. The The camera is the easy bit. Most cameras are really good these days. But if you've got, it's getting the lighting right and it's getting the audio to sound decent. 
I'm not going to tell you how to do that, Andy. I'm just saying that, you know, that's that's what you need to work on. Well, it's a thought. But uh, tell us about this motorhome, because I know you're dying to, and I'm not jealous, not in the least. I don't know why you'd go. I mean, you can't be jealous. You're about to swan off to Australia for goodness knows how long. A month. A month. In fact, when this comes out, I'll be there. So what are you doing in Australia? I am in Australia because I'm not talking in the present tense. Right. I am in Australia to teach a bunch of CSS workshops and mm-hmm. to speak at the Respond conference in Sydney. I'm doing the closing keynote. Is it just you or is your lovely wife going with you? Nope. Sue's going with me and we're going to have, or we will have had by this point, a nice little holiday over in Western Australia in Margaret River. This sounds great. Sounds a really good idea, which is it is essentially exactly what I'm doing with the work, uh, with the motorhome. That because we homeschool our son, we suddenly thought, hey, why do we need to stay in one place where we can, you know, we can become gypsies and travellers and, you know, yeah. T- today, Blandford, tomorrow, Milton Keynes. Exactly. And, and, you know, we could even go across to Europe if we were feeling brave. You know, they speak funny over there, but, you know. Are you going to drive this new one or are you just going to leave it up to the missus? The missus, do you know, she won't, she's not even insuring me on it this time. That's how (laughs) determined. (laughs) (laughs) It's very much her motorhome. And, and I, I, my only responsibility is the technology on it. And, and I have got a little carried away this time. It's, it's going to be a little over the top. It's got a fold down TV which is going to have an Apple TV plugged into it. Um, and then we've got a hard drive, which has got um, uh, like hundreds of movies and TV programs that we can then stream to our iPads or iPhones that we then stream across to our the Apple TV. We've got green screens, video cameras, lighting rigs. Um, we've got We've got um, a, a special uh, 3G mobile tower booster thing, so we can pick up, you know, mobile signals when we're out in the in the back of beyond. There's plug sockets everywhere. We're even taking a bloody PlayStation with us. This is my life. This is how I am now choosing to live. Brilliant. <laughs> they, they, they sound so despondent about it. For heaven's no, sake. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not actually. I I just. When you say it out loud, it sounds a little bit sad. But the reality is, is uh, we just, we love to travel. We love yeah. to go places. And the problem, the problem that we've had, to be honest, is that my son is a li- somewhat on the autistic spectrum and he doesn't like going from hotel to hotel, right? And constant change is, is really makes him uncomfortable and unhappy. So this is a great compromise because a motorhome, you could go to all these cool places. We're talking about going over to Croatia. We want to go down into Italy and Switzerland and the lots of other places we've got in mind. Yet he has a single place, a single home that you can stay in for that entire time. So it's great for yeah. us. And now, you know, now I'm not working as part of a team. We've got the freedom to go where, where we want, when we want and kind of, I pick and choose work that I can do feasibly in the motorhome. And yeah, so it's, it's good. It's, it's going to be an exciting new lifestyle. Do you actually need the house anymore? Do you know, we have talked about that. Um, we've talked about, there's a huge movement of little houses, small houses, where essentially you just get a tiny little place that you kind of come back to. Um, 
so we have considered that, but in the end, we decided, you know, our, our mortgage isn't huge. We never, we never really went for a very nice house. You know, we've got a kind of 1970s end of terrace, um, with white cladding on the front. So you, as you can imagine, it's not the, the, the most expensive of houses in the world. So it doesn't seem a lot of point of downgrading or, or changing it. So we just kind of, yeah, but I don't think we'll be here a huge amount. I think some mm. of the coolest people lived in trailers. Alan Partridge. <laughs> Jim Rockford. Oh, Jim yes, Rockford. he did. Yeah, there, yeah. there we go. I'm sure I'm the age now. You are. That's very much. At least Alan Partridge was in the, you know, the same century. <laughs> but I don't, I don't think motorhome envy is a bad thing at all. I mean, you know. No, no. I, even if your idea of fun on a Saturday is getting McDonald's and pyjamas in Asda. Honestly, we, we love it. We've been on a couple of road trips where we've rented a big kind of 30 foot RV and, you know, driven a few thousand miles and it's wonderful. Mm. And you're right. You know, you can travel, you can work for just a few hours a day. We would sort of roll up to a campground at sort of, you know, four o'clock in the afternoon. And, you know, I'd sit and do two or three hours work. Mm. There'd always be Wi-Fi or, you know, all that, that stuff kind of, you plug in the poopy pipe, you get your Wi-Fi, you do a couple <laughs> of hours work. And where, where does it plug into? It plugs into a hole in the ground. Oh, right. Yeah, no, there were videos right. online of me showing people how to do the poopy pipe on my trips. America, America's much better set up. They have luxury. You know, here you have to drag your poop to a, a, a container. But it's great. And we really loved it. And we, some of the people that we met were amazing. We met people that had done what I imagine you might be doing, which is to basically, they sold up. We mm-hmm. met this couple who were, I think they were doctors or dentists or something, and they sold their house wherever it was. And bought an RV. And, you know, we're not just talking, you know, a UK-style motorhome. These things are like fucking Led Zeppelin's tour bus. Yeah, they're amazing. I mean, you know, this they had a full-size bath and granite mm-hmm. worktops in mm-hmm. the kitchen. I mean, this thing was immense. Um, and that's what – they had a parrot. They had a pet parrot. Yeah, which why was not? In, and that's what – that was their life now. And they would, you know, they would go up to places. They would stay, you know, for a, a few weeks or a couple of months in different places. Unfortunately, those kinds of RVs are not feasible in Europe. No, you know, the one that we've got is seven and a half meters. No, that isn't right. What's that in old money? I don't know. Now I've confused myself. What's uh, 7.5 meters in? What a fascinating podcast this is. Paul Bowen does a conversion. (laughs) Right, that's 24 feet. Oh, that's actually quite long for here. That is relatively long, yeah. So, That's on the long part of the long scale. Yeah. So it, it's it, anything above about eight meters and you can't get it into most of the campsites. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be great. And uh, the other thing is you can do motorhome exchanges as well. So say if we wanted to go to Australia like you, um, you can, there's loads of people in Australia that want to come to Europe and see so you swap motorhomes. Like you would do house swaps, except you don't have to do it at the same time because they can come over here, take your motorhome off while you live at home for a bit and vice versa. Mm. Very good. You should do an RV trip, John, because I think the kids yeah. would love it. They would. And we, we would love it. We, we, we talked about it last year, actually, with, when we went to Chicago. We thought about, you know, do we spend the week in Chicago or should we actually just go, you know, traveling a bit? And of course, someone like America is it's such a huge space mm. that you do spend a lot of time traveling and i think um not time traveling but oh. a lot of time Bzz. traveling 
<laughs> I didn't use the D word. No, I didn't. And I was just, well, I just seen had to see how draconian you were going to be. But um, anyway, yeah, I, I think we just put off a little bit by the fact that we just spend a lot of our holiday just driving and not seeing places. But we, we still plan to do it. Yeah, but that's the interesting thing about RV. It's not like traveling in a car. Right. So, you know, you're driving. Sorry, I'm now selling this. I can't believe that I've got to the point of selling it. I didn't want a motorhome. It has to be said. And I've now come full circle. <laughs> and now I'm actively promoting it to other people. But, you, you know, in America, you, you, you know, you're driving on there's these huge, you know, amazing roads, you know, that uh, just go on forever. And you're going through amazing countryside and you go through this, you know, amazing bit of countryside, desert, whatever. And you go, do you know what? I fancy a cup of tea. You're pulling at the side and you're whole home is there kids mm. can sit down and start watching tv you could put the kettle on sit outside look at the amazing view while you're having your cup of tea and then you know you might have a nap for a little bit because you know it's been a long journey so you know we'll <laughs> we'll stop and have a little nap and then uh-huh. you know you get up and do another couple of hours and then you go do you know i don't think we're going to make the campsite tonight let's just sleep here on the side of the road or or pull off the road a bit and wild camp you know so it, it's yeah. a totally different experience. It's not like traveling in a car long distances. No, it's yeah. amazing. It's, it really is. I mean, the fact is that, you know, you shouldn't be kind of moving about when you're, you know, when you're, when you're on the road. But apparently the, the, the rules are that as long as you're out of reach of the driver, you can get up and move around. So, you know, the, the kids don't have to be locked in seatbelts for eight hours while you, you know, while you're driving down a big road. It depends yeah. that in the UK, that's different. Is it? Uh, yeah, in the UK, the kids do need to be belted in. Um, you don't, as an adult. Um, uh, you, I, th- I think, don't, you know, I'm no lawyer. Um, but certainly I have been known to go to the toilet while we're driving along. And that, that didn't, by the way, I don't advise that as behavior because it's very <laughs> dangerous. If your wife breaks sharply, it gets very messy very quickly. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. I did we'll worry about, you know, any sudden stops and, you know, someone would then did, be, you know. There were no sudden hurt. stops on some of these roads, John. We were in on a road in Idaho and we turned a corner and there was a straight road that was going out into the distance. And I looked at my clock and it was 45 minutes before I had to turn the wheel again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it is true. So is that a bit boring? Don't you get like you start sort of sleeping at the wheel because it's just so straight and No, not mm. really. No, I mean you're, you're passing through amazing scenery a lot of the time. Okay. Yeah. Um it's and, not just flat desert or Oh know. god no. Not where we went. I mean I'm sure there are places in you know Iowa. Mm-hmm. But the, even that flat desert, there's something about it. it it's, there is something America is amazing. I mean, if if I lived in America, I would absolutely sell up and get a massive RV and just go. Because it's, it is just so spectacular and so vast that you can just, you know, go through these huge open areas of desert and just be captivated by it. Or at least I can. Nice. We've been thinking about doing another, another wee trip, not this year, because we're going back to Europe, but maybe next year we'll, um, we'll, we'll go and have a little trip again. It's getting a little bit less flexible now that Alex is, you know, off doing his thing, but we'll see. So I guess this is old news by the time this thing comes out, but as well as living in a caravan, Paul, mm-hmm. you're now unemployed too, like the rest of us. Yeah. You just mooch around, you mooch around Poundland in the middle of the afternoon, waiting for some repeat of the Jeremy Kyle show. <laughs> Absolutely. I haven't quite managed to embrace that yet, but that, that's my dream. That's what I'm aiming for. 
No, so so yeah, that uh, really interesting. I've, I've left Headscape. Now that's a weird feeling. Have you talked about this on that other podcast that I don't listen to? Not really. Not kind of. We've mentioned it in passing, but I hadn't really. We didn't kind of get into particularly why I did it or well, I, I, I guess I touched on it a little bit. It was. It was. It yeah. It's something that I've had going around in my head for for a couple of years, I guess. Um, really, I, mainly in the last year and a bit since we've been homeschooling our son, um, because working in a team has constraints to it. You know, you you're expected to be online when they're online, and um, and also I I was getting a bit weary. I think of of. You know, because Andy, you did it back in the day, didn't you? You ran an agency, um, and having multiple mouths to feed, and um, you know, and and keeping that kind of treadmill of bringing work in, and always feeling like you should be doing something. Um, and I kind of just thought oh, we wanted to travel more, and we wanted more flexibility, and things like we're going to move our weekends, right? Because. Uh, weekends at the moment are always so busy and so manic and there's so many people around. And, and so we thought, Oh, well, wouldn't it be great if we had Mondays off instead of Saturday and Sunday? But when you're a part of a team, you can't do that kind of thing because you're reliant on other people. And, and so, yeah, we just kind of, I, it just felt time to, to kind of branch out and do something a little bit different and to, to try my own stuff for a while. And it's, yeah, so far I've only been doing it a month as at the time of recording, but it's gone really well and I'm really enjoying it and and I've got work booked up until May and yeah, it's all fun and exciting really. I like what you said in a tweet a couple of weeks ago. You said you'd identified the problem with post headscape lifestyle. I seem to have to do actual work and I'm not used to that. Yeah. <laughs> That's true because essentially at, at headscape I I ended up being a marketer you know, I was, I was literally just, um, kind of trying to bring in work for Headscape. And now I have to, to deliver that, which is actually really good fun. And I'm enjoying it. And so are you doing more sort of full time consulting now? Is that because you hadn't done design stuff for years? So is that no, what no. you're doing now, consulting? Well, I'm doing a really weird mix of stuff. I decided that I wanted to try and do lots and lots of different things. All right, because a I have a very short attention span. B I wanted to be able to mix different types of work, um, depending on whether I'm on the road or I'm, you know, where I am and what I want to do. So I wanted lots of different ways of kind of combining stuff. So, um, you know, I've got I do webinars, I write articles. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he said the webinar word. <laughs> well, what the hell do you call them? Give me a better word. No, no, it's the right word. You just got to say it in the right voice. It's not a webinar. It's a webinar. Okay, fine. Okay, fine. that's fine. <laughs> I could call it a webcast. How about that? Is that better? No, no. Online no. video. <laughs> no, because it's a it's a live and interactive. Oh, okay. Yeah. Live simulcast. Ah, there yeah. we go. I like that. From now on, I'm going to call it a live simulcast because nobody will know what I mean, but then no. So, <laughs> so, um, articles, I do these video courses. Um, I'm doing, um, yes, I'm doing consultancy, lots of consultancy. 
Um, I'm also doing this mentoring thing, which has gone down really well, which is basically um, there's kind of that falls into two areas. So I'm doing mentoring for kind of end clients. So it's where people have got in-house develop, um, digital teams and they um, need to talk a bit about, sorry, I'm being distracted, John, by your tweets. Oh, I'm not looking at Twitter. He's he's being oh. very rude about no, I my turned Twitter homing. off during podcasts. I'm going to have to now. now. I'm going to oh, turn no, you off, now. John. No, no, you just You're carry on. Influence. You just carry on. <laughs> I forgot what I was saying. Now. Oh, mentoring. Yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'll put a link to that in the show notes, not to spoil it for the listeners. <laughs> That's a bit like having a wee while you're on the road, isn't it? Uh, well, the fact I'm not driving and therefore I can move around. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was my services weren't required, so I thought I'm desperate for a wee. I have to drink that huge cup of tea. I mean, literally, it's about a pint. So yeah, I thought <laughs> it was great because I snuck off and did it and came back, and you were still talking. It was still going. <laughs> it's brilliant. So yeah, it's good. I'm showing up now. I'm not going to tell you what I'm doing now. You've ruined oh, it for good. me. This was this a big decision. Massive. Did you lose sleep over it? Yes. That's it. I'm, you're just getting monotone answers from me from now on. Single. Oh, come on. Now, so um, how, long, yes. how, how long have you actually been with Headscape? How long were you doing 13 that? years. So it was... Shit. Yeah, it was a massive decision. Mm. Uh, and... But I've never done anything for that length of time, you know. Uh, so... Uh, it was a huge thing, but on the other hand, it felt very right in the end. Um, I, I, it felt, I, I was really pleased with the way it happened because, um, Marcus and Chris were massively supportive because that was the big thing for me. It mm. was like, you know, those guys, um, have been so supportive of me over the years and I feel a huge debt to both of them and they're really good friends. And so, yeah, that was really, really hard. Because I, I guess you wouldn't want to feel like you're betraying them. No. Because you, you kind of, you were in it, in it, in it all together. Absolutely. And, yeah. And to be quite it, frank, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you two if it wasn't for them. You know, they, they've allowed me to, to go to conferences and start speaking and they, you know, encourage me in my blogging and all of these kinds, give me the freedom to do all of that kind of stuff. Um, and so the last thing I want to do is, you know, go, oh, now I've built a, built a good reputation off of your back. I'm pissing off, you know, that, that, <laughs> I really, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm. So, so, but they were really, really supportive. Um, I'm still very much involved with Headscape, but they're just not paying my salary. Um, so I'm still a, a, a director there. Um, I've got less of a holding in the company than I had, but I still re- um, maintain a, a shareholding in the company. Um, I'm still working on, I think we've got three projects on the go at the moment, which I'm, I'm involved with and I'm pushing work their way all the time because, because essentially people come to me asking for things that are far too big for me and I can just pass it across to Headscape and, and be involved in the bits that, that I need to be involved in and then Headscape can deal with the rest. So in Mm. some stages, in some ways it hasn't changed massively. You know, I still do the podcast with Marcus every week. Um, you know, so it's turned out not to be as big a thing as it felt like when I was trying, was considering doing it. But yeah, it's, it's been brilliant. I don't, but it's also been a bit of a shock. It's made me appreciate how much they did for me 
and how much people like you guys that both work for yourselves, how much other additional stuff you have to deal with that I've managed to avoid. You know, so things uh, like paperwork and accounts and yeah, yeah, chasing money and yeah. Uh, well, even because the thing is, you've still got to do the marketing side that you did before, but now you've actually got to do the work that goes with it as well. Exactly. So it's um, getting the balance between all those kinds of things. Yeah. And I juggling mean, clients and the whole thing of, you know, you've got to, with, with no team behind you, yeah. essentially, uh, you've got to juggle everything that comes in. And just the amount of email that now I have to deal with that previously I wouldn't <laughs> have. Um, yeah. The big one for me has been the finance side of things. I mean, to be entirely honest, I wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for free agent. You know, free agent has given me a structure to work in um, and has kind of held my hand through that. Um, so Other online accounting services are available. Yes. <laughs> Fresh books okay. is another one, isn't it, that a lot of people use, I know. Um, so that's been absolutely brilliant. Uh, but it's even, you know, things like working out my charge out rate and, 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 um, my expenses and, and budgeting and, and yeah, all of that kind of stuff and, and being VAT registered and do I want to be a limited company or a partnership and you know, blah, mm, it's, it's, yeah, blah. It's been quite a shock. What did you do about the limited company? We've decided to go for a partnership initially, um, simply because it's less paperwork involved. Um, and uh, we're not between the two because Kath doesn't work. My wife doesn't work. So between the two of us, we've got a fairly healthy threshold before we hit 40% tax. Um, but I suspect that will change at some point. Is it an LLP? It's not at the moment. No. Um, which is a, a constant niggle to me. And we need to kind of, um, deal with that at some point. But. Uh, that said, I don't have the kind of liability that maybe you guys do in the fact that you're delivering, you know, websites and that kind of stuff. When it comes to kind of providing training material or even consultancy, your liability isn't quite as high. You'd think it would be with consultancy, but very rarely do clients ever implement your your recommendations as you said them. They're always, you know, <laughs> compromised down in some way. So... You know, the, the liability isn't too horrendous. But yes, that is something I need to deal with. What's Hicks Design? Is that a limited company? It is, yeah. We started off as a uh, a partnership. Um, and I've forgotten one of the reasons now, because we, we've got a very good local accountant who's very patient and will sit down and explain everything to me five times before I finally sort of understand it and then forget about it, you know, in years to come. But um, yeah, we're, we're a limited company now. So it, it's... um uh, Lee and I are both directors and employees and everything else to the company, which I love it when the people, you know, get sales calls and say, can I speak to someone in the marketing department, please? <laughs> yeah. Hang on. I'll just get him. Kevin. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> you know, so I, yeah, it's, uh, it, it, I think a limited company is, it, it, there are certain advantages to it, but it's a lot more paperwork. So yeah. Did you keep it going when you went to work for opera? Yeah, I did. Um, I, I, it was a, a complicated system, really, because uh, I, I sort of kept it going as a, basically as a, a business with no money coming in, really. Mm. Um, but I, I always had that feeling of, you know, I'm never sure how long I'm going to want to be here because I do get I kind of bored and want to move on and do other things. But um, uh, yeah, so I, I sort of kept that going and then had something to come back to, which was fine. I mean, you have to sort of pay accountancy fees for. Um, 
you know, for a business that's not doing anything, but uh, at least there's not much sort of, you know, transactions to, to look at. So, um, yeah. Now, when we did the whole, uh, you know, agency thing, God, it's almost, it's 10 years ago since I got into all that trouble. Mm. And, um, Olive, shush. Right. <laughs> is that the dog? <laughs> My dog is getting restless. Is it, no, is it the dog or an episode of On the Buses? Oh, yeah. She's gone. <laughs> no, I remember when we did all of that stuff years ago, and uh, there was a what do we do with stuff? Because we started another business. It's like, what do we do with stuff? Mm. And the business partner was like, no, you should shut it down. We don't need it. You know, we'll transfer everything into our ownership and blah, blah, blah. And I resisted it. And thank God that I did. You know, I kept it going. You know, I paid the accountant's fees for a couple of years just to kind of keep the thing as a shell. Mm. Um, and then we had something to come back to. So, do you ever, uh, do, I tell you, a bit of an aside, I mean, I know Paul's sort of gone from the other direction, but do you ever sort of think about a freelance career and just think, wouldn't it be nice if some big company just sort of said, hey, come and be our creative director? And um, not necessarily for a huge paycheck, but just something that, you know, something a bit different, yeah, I was actually talking about this with Rachel Andrew and Zoe Gillenwater uh, a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. because Zoe's gone to work at Booking.com out in yeah. Amsterdam. She moved her whole family out there and she's really happy. You know, there's a great environment. I don't think I could work there because it's very kind of data driven. But Yes, yeah. But she's having a really, really good time. And we were talking about what it might take to want to take a job and I think for me it would have to be that I'd want to work with somebody on something I mean the, the person mm. that always springs to mind I talk about this all the time is Aaron Walter mm. all right yeah um, and I would love despite the fact that you know I'm allergic to user experience I would absolutely love to spend time working even if it was on a side project with somebody like Aaron particularly mm. Aaron because I think I would just learn so much um, and occasionally there'll be a, a, a pang of something, you know, I'll, I'll just think, Oh God, it would just be so much easier to take a salary. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, but I, I'm very yeah. lucky, you know, I wouldn't be in Australia if it wasn't for, you know, the business that we've built up and I'm very happy with that, you know, for the mm. most part. Yeah. No, I mean, it's one of these things that I've, I will never say no to. And it seems to be that every like, you know, maybe once or twice a year, someone will get in touch and it's usually someone maybe from a HR department or uh, from the reverse, maybe someone from the design department sort of, you know, sniffing you out and saying, you know, do you fancy a job? And I've always replied very enthusiastically, yeah, let's talk each time it happens. And that's when the tumbleweed comes in because it just goes absolutely dead. So people like I mean, Google and Facebook, um, those two that I remember off the top of my head. And uh, I think Fitbit was one as well. And I just think, oh yeah, you know, I, I, I'm really open to the idea and I quite like the idea of, you know, just for a bit of change, a bit of variety and having that sort of regular salary, salary. But it's weird how once you sow enthusiasm, it all just goes dead. <laughs> so I just think, right, fine. <laughs> I'm just, John, I'll just, John, I'll just stay least, here. At least you're getting one or two of those a year. I, it's been, I've never, years since I've ever been headhunted for anything. It's quite hurtful, really. Yeah. No, I, would, I wouldn't me. quite call it headhunting. I would say it more like someone, you know, that phrase reaching out. Yeah. Nobody even reaches yeah. out to me. No. I'm just, I'm dead to people. Basically. There is another reason. Another reason why I would do it would be to go to a certain place. So if anybody mm. is 
out there in <laughs> Western Australia right now. Anybody that has an agency <laughs> in Perth, I'm only going to be down the road. Uh, let's talk because that's where I would like to spend the rest of my days. And if there's a way of making that happen by becoming somebody's creative director in Western Australia, I would be is over this, the moon. This is suddenly turned into a kind of finding retirement jobs for old men. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I want to retire to Western Australia. Can you make that happen, please? Well, I am closer to the retirement visa uh, requirements. <laughs> than I am to the, you know, the young person's visa requirements, uh, which is very sad. But to, to do the retirement visa, you have to be over 45 and have a shed load of money. Right. Which, uh. because you, you have to, you, you're not entitled to their healthcare system. So you have to pay for your own insurance or you have to come back to the UK if you get sick or something like that. So you basically have to prove to them that you have enough money to be able to, to pay for yourself in, you know, in the long term. So that would mean, you know, selling everything we have to, to be able to go there, you know. Mm. So, uh, yeah, if there's a nice company out there, nice agency. John, what, what about you? You know, where, 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 you, you might as well start advertising as well. Where would you like to work, John? <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's one of those things, you know, you've got kids at school, um, uh, a, a dad who's not very well and you think well you know it's either remote working or nothing and that i think that generally tends to be the end of conversations with people yeah, yeah. um but you know i'm still looking out for the future i'm i'm basically open to anything but i think the the key thing is i'd like to work with, for with a company where i could actually make a bit of a difference um and it's like something i've always said about people like apple you know i don't need to work for apple because no. they've, they've got good people and it's there's there's no need for me there you know it's like i can't make any difference but i like when i was working with opera uh initially that feeling of doing something that's actually sort of going out to a lot of people and uh, yeah sort of i'm feeling like you made a little bit of a difference in some way so yeah I won't, but yeah. you're doing that with your freelance work or your you know not freelance your business work now yeah yeah <laughs> just sometimes you know i think there's uh, most of the time i got really good clients and they're very good at paying but occasionally there are there are hiccups and you know money doesn't quite come in in time and you're sort of starting to sort of panic a little bit so i don't know it's there's a lot of there's so many pros and cons to each side can, you know can we can we just focus on the pros as somebody that's like a month in I don't oh yeah, 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 yeah anything <laughs> bad it's you just tell me it's all lovely forever you Please. can do whatever you like. Yeah, <laughs> that's the you. pro. Well, you can work the... in your pajamas, which, of course, for you, Paul, is is it's ideal. A big deal. Yeah. One day, my <laughs> dream is to work in my pajamas while at McDonald's. I see. Ah, I, I, I mean, in all seriousness, do you guys ever do that? Because I, I've never been the type to. I, I don't like sitting in pajamas. Mainly because uh, I don't have pajamas. I don't tend to wear pajamas, but that's maybe no. That's, that's a revelation. That going yeah. a bit too far. Yeah, see, but now, yeah, I, I I like to be up and dressed and out and in an yeah, office. Yeah, no, I will actually. I, I'm very very bad in the morning, so most times my morning starts working from bed. So if you receive an email from me uh, in the morning, chances are I'm sitting in bed <laughs> sending it. I'm not joking. <sighs> it's really sad. I'm one of these people that only operates at night. <laughs> but even with children, that's the thing. If you, I, I was never, never a morning person, but we were having children. You got no choice. Well, no, see, now that's one of the upsides of having an autistic child. 
<laughs> right. Because my, my lovely child is very rule orientated. So if you tell him, don't disturb us in the morning, he won't disturb you in the mornings. And, <laughs> and so he now kind of gets up. He, I mean, also he's 12. So he gets up, he makes his own breakfast, sits on the computer, does his thing for a bit. Doesn't, doesn't disturb me at all. He knows that really to only communicate with daddy after midday. Ah, uh, right. <laughs> okay. Maybe I'm exaggerating that slightly, but yeah. Uh, um, well, so, you're in a very, very fortunate position in some ways. Then. Oh, I'm massively. Yes. Yeah. We never had any trouble with Alex when we worked from home. I mean, for all those years, I mean, what, 15 years we worked from home and Alex was growing up, going to school, coming home. There'd be clients in the office. He'd come in, have a look at the stuff we were doing. Um, not a single problem, you know. Mm. I, I think it was quite good to have him kind of around um, and seeing what went on, you know, in business, you know, seeing what we had to put up with. Yeah, I mean, we, we you know, James sometimes joins me, especially now we homeschool him, he'll join me while I'm doing a piece of work. So, like, he's learning about, you know, Final Cut Pro and video editing because I'm doing that at the moment. And he's doing a bit of coding, a lot, you know, sitting alongside me when I fiddle around with various websites and that kind of stuff. And um, he's sitting with his mum at the moment building a Raspberry Pi and, you know. So, nice. Yeah, very cool. Well... We do sound like three curmudgeonly old geezers, hmm. but actually I've been to a couple of conferences recently and I don't know whether this is a kind of an age thing, but the people that I've ended up gravitating talking to are all about our age. You know, they're all kind of, um, well, early 40s. <laughs> I'm early 40s. Are you actually early 40s? I'm 43. Okay. Does that? Yes, I'm the youngest. Oh, oh, really? oh, damn. <laughs> I never thought I'd, you know, scrape a few months and think that would make me youngest, but yeah. And it is quite nice to have conversations with people who are going through a similar kind of stage because, you know, what we do in the industry is different to what it was 10 years ago. You know, mm. we're different. Mm. What we do is different. The web is different. You know, we used to make websites for people. That's what we did. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now I design things, but I don't make websites for people. You know, the shit we got away with all those years ago. God, I mean, you know, in a bad way. But, you know, you make things that, that you look back on now and you go, oh, my God, what did I do? Um, the whole business has changed and it's, you know, much more technical in some areas or much more academic in other areas. And I actually find it really interesting to talk to people that are, you know, not struggling, but trying to find their place in the web now. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, the, the the thing with this mentorship that I'm doing, I'm doing a lot of mentorship with other web designers and web, web design agencies. And and one of the big struggles for, for a lot of them is to work out what differentiates them. You know, when we were, we guys were all starting out, really, it was relatively simple because there wasn't that many of us around. And so we've been able to build, a, you know, a, a, a reputation on, you know, John being the Firefox guy, logo guy and, and Andy, you being the, whatever that book was you wrote guy and me being <laughs> the podcast guy and so on and so on. You know, these days you have to be like really specific, don't you? You mm. know, like Brad Frost is the, the kind of, uh, you know, design pattern library guy, you know, and, and it's becoming quite hard to differentiate yourself in what's a very crowded marketplace. Hmm. Well, we've been thinking about this a lot. And when I'm in 
you know, this time in Australia, I'm actually going to be writing quite a lot of copy, I think, mm-hmm. for the new website and thinking about how we're going to represent things because, yeah, there's a huge amount of people out there, companies, individuals, etc., that on the face of it do what we do. Mm. You know, they make websites. And if you look around at, you know, like a gajillion design agency sites now, everybody talks about responsive yeah. Every single person talks about responsive web design. I can probably guarantee that about 75% of design agencies have an iMac, a Mac laptop, an iPad, and a phone in somewhere mm. on their portfolio. Mm-hmm. You know, they all present this kind of stuff. Um, and when everybody does, you know, we were lucky because we got in quite early with this kind of stuff. Like we got in early with CSS layouts, you know, mm-hmm. back in the day. Yeah. But now that stuff counts for nothing yeah. because, you know, clients don't care about that kind of history. So you wrote a book, tough shit. Um, so we've been thinking about, well, actually, you know, what is it about what we make and the way that we make it and the way that we deal with people that we think is like our kind of USP? Yeah. Well, I mean, I've obviously had to just go through the same thing because, you know, I've suddenly, you know, what is it I do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly and i think a lot of people have wondered because I, you know I, I i'm right and i'm interested in such a wide eclectic range of stuff and it's only going through this process that i've realized how all of that fits together that it's all for me it's all orientated around user experience but in the widest definition of that in other words a user experience not just limited to user interface design but limited to you know the governance of being able to deliver stuff in the back end on the you know the the um you know uh, how stuff is dealt with by multiple departments and the user experience across those multiple departments all of that kind of stuff and it it's only now that i've been forced to think about those things that i really understand what it is that i do which is quite a scary thought really because you never used to have to worry about that you just built websites and that was straightforward mm. see you can tell that that i'm only just getting my head around this because i described what i did in the most appalling way then <laughs> and it, it changes all the time as well you know yeah. as I say you know what we described ourselves like you know 10 years ago would be different now and I, I have the problem in the sense that um I'm just redesigning my portfolio at the moment because it's so out of date and it just needs to you know get all my new work on there but I'm sort of thinking about how to pitch this because I do do all design but most recent examples are all icons mm. and you know do I just go for all out and just say I'm an icon designer um and I don't want to do that because it's you know it's just it's a bit boring <laughs> you know it's a, a lot of a variety but but that's what the examples are so I mean yeah. that, that's part of our problem isn't it is that we're of the generation that get bored very easily that that like moving from thing to thing and, and experimenting with new stuff all the time. And so we're yeah. all a bit, we're, well, whether it's, it's not generational thing, but our character is like that. Um, and so as a result, we don't want to pigeon ourselves too much into a particular area. Well, at least I don't. No, and the work that you show tends to be the work that you get. Yeah. People have very little imagination. They'll look at a portfolio and they'll go, ah, okay, so he's the icon guy. Mm. Or they'll look at your portfolio and go, yeah, well, I run a company that sells screwdrivers, but I don't see you making work for screwdriver companies. So, you know, can you make a website for somebody that makes screwdrivers? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah exactly. exactly. So um, it's it's difficult to find that balance. Oh. So we're so all, we're, doomed, we're all redesigning. Yeah. We're all redesigning. 
You you are too. I am. Yeah, I'm no, not but, redesigning. No, but you've got a new. You're redesigning your business. You you get yeah, be- Oh yeah, the business agreed. But not the website because I'm too lazy. <laughs> it does take a long time. Though, yeah. You know what we should do? What? We should wrap up this segment of the show mm-hmm. and talk about something much, much more interesting in a minute in the after show section. Oh, you're not going to talk about that stupid ass program you like. We you. may do. <laughs> we may well do. But boring people, PHP programmers, they can tune out right now because they're not going to be interested in the fun stuff. Now that we've given them some business things to listen to, they can be okay. And Did you uh, just accuse PHP programmers yeah. of being boring? No. It's, it's, it's going just, on it's, Twitter. Do you know what? It's, it's, it's like the Jeremy Clarkson of, of the web, isn't it? It's that kind of, you know, he's going to say something about Belgians in a minute. Oh, there we go. Germans. <laughs> Germans. Germans. <laughs> so let's wrap this bit up. So people can follow you, John, on Twitter. You are Hicks Design. Oh, yeah, I am. And Paul at Boag World. Mm-hmm. But you've got Boag Works now as well, which I thought was a very clever, cute little twist on the whole Boag thing. I like that when you launch a new company. Mm. I, I, it was totally unconsidered or ill-considered Ill or not considered. I just like, oh shit, I need something to replace the Headscape name on the website. <laughs> <laughs> but it works well. So Thank to you. ask questions and suggest topics, because people do, you can message this show on Twitter at UnfinishedBZ, or you can email me, he has at unfinished.bz. So, House yeah. of Fools, no. you twat. <laughs> okay. So, Paul, you don't like. Can somebody, can somebody, John, can you explain to those people out in Listenerland that may be in the middle of Iowa somewhere that they haven't got a faintest idea what we're talking about? What is House of Fools? <sighs> you twat. <laughs> <laughs> it's, well, the thing is, it's a hard one, isn't it? Because, you know, Vic and Bob, it's a very sort of specific kind of humour. It's slightly surreal, but there's it's the first time that they've... I say the first time they're in a sitcom, because they did this thing called Catterick, but it, it, that didn't have that same sitcom feel. Like, this has got very much a kind of like... You've got very limited uh, sets, so stuff either takes place at home or like in like Julie's Bistro or something. So, so it's, it's very Vic Reeves kind of, and Bob yeah. Mortimer. Yeah, there's a... It, there's an element of like 1970s kind of on the buses about it because it's shot yeah. in front of a studio audience. Yes, yeah, so, so it, it has that improv feel to it in a way. It's in, a little bit, and there's there's visual humour. So they'll do things like there's one episode in the last series where I think like it was Vic pulled Bob's testicles and he he pulled them the full length of the room and then <laughs> snapped them back again. You know, so it's. There's that kind of very sort of slapstick stuff. And they, they usually have, like, they on Seizing Stars, they used to have the frying pans they hit each other with. Um, but in terms of, like, narrowing the humour, because it's not, it's not as surreal as their normal humour. It is just basically a little bit kind of silly. I think um, it's bloody brilliant. I mean, okay, the first series started really strongly. Mm-hmm. I thought it tailed off a little bit towards the end. And then this season, the second series has started strong again. But it's just great. And the characters are brilliant. And they're getting better all the time. Yeah. Except Beef. Well, I think Beef is kind of just... No, he's not as good. He started really strongly. Mm. 
Do you know what? It's it's a difficult one. I think it's an acquired taste. Is that what you described it as? And I think that's probably the yeah. best way to describe it. Because I I religiously watched all the episodes of the last series and I wouldn't say I particularly enjoyed it. And I watched the, because I'm trying to catch up, I watched the first one of the new series. And I think it's got a little bit sharper. You know, the pace is maybe just a little bit quicker. Um and there's some really nice moments when they're having the fight and Vic gets on the sofa and says, prepare for the end of days. And then he sort of flies through the air. Um, again, this is, I don't know how they do this with a studio audience. Presumably you have to like pre-recorded bits that they put on screens. Um, but it's, it's still, I wouldn't call it laugh a minute. But it's it, just in moments. It's absolutely hysterical. And that first episode, moments. it's on. It's on YouTube. You can watch the entire first episode on YouTube. I'll put a link in the show notes, which is what I tweeted to Paul the other day to say, "Watch this." Mm. And you got like what ten minutes in? Oh, sorry, I, I popped out to the loo. <laughs> You're allowed to do that. You haven't heard. You haven't heard us explaining to you what's so great about House of Falls at all, have you? No, I, I did hear it. I, I was totally unconvinced. No, I, I watched. I could. I watched ten minutes of it. Do you know what it is? It comes back to uh, 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 and fine. You know, I can accept. You know, you 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 grew up with Vic and Bob, and you're. Very I didn't. I remember, I watched Shooting Stars, and I really liked Shooting Stars with Ulrika Kakakaka. Yeah. And I like that, but I was never a, a general Vic and Bob fan. I've never okay. seen them in anything else. Uh, right. I would say in their whole bank of all the things they've done, I would say House of Fools is probably one of the worst ones. Yeah, that's it's. You, yeah, I would agree. And I think the problem is for what what it, I mean, I don't care. You watch whatever crap you want. I don't mind. Um, <laughs> but for what it, it comes down to, what we were talking about earlier, right? Which is you were saying earlier that. You know, we're all having to reinvent ourselves. We're all having to move on. The fact that you wrote a book, you know, 20 million years ago about CSS means nothing these days, right? And that's the problem with Vic and Bob is that, in my opinion, they're doing the same stuff today that they were doing when they were, what, 25, right? And, and the world's changed. Um, and humor's changed and they've changed and it, it just doesn't, I used to love shooting stars and I used to love the really early stuff they did because it was, it was, a um, it fitted in the age, you know, it was that anarchi- uh, anarchistic kind of surreal humor and it was just right at the time. And it was right for when I was that age. And I feel that all, all, when I was watching House of Fools, it did make me laugh at times, but almost in a nostalgic way rather well, than... <laughs> I think know? that's maybe why I like it, because, you know, it does have echoes to some of that slightly inappropriate comedy sitcom stuff that I used to like in the 70s or... You yeah, know, yeah. well, you see, that's the key thing, you see. I don't think they are doing the same stuff they used to do. Because even the, like, the, the first few series they did with the BBC when they moved over from Channel 4... Were brilliant. Like if you go and look, look at the uh, the Master Chef um, sketch on uh, YouTube, it's fantastic. But this new stuff, it's more it's more slapstick. It's more visual humour. It's more like that kind of like the seventies style sitcoms that you mentioned, mm. Andy. You know, and the on the buses and that kind of thing, which I love. I love that kind <laughs> of stuff, and I and I do love it because it is sort of. Yeah, slightly inappropriate now and and politically incorrect and you know 
I know we had a list of things that we're not allowed to talk about, but you know, I do have a snigger at some of those things. I probably yeah, shouldn't, and it, but I do. A, there's a nostalgia element to that, but then to make something new now that's like that, I mean, it's not politically incorrect. It's it's a bit rude and a bit, um, a bit, a tiny bit surreal maybe at times, but um, I don't know. I, I do struggle with it because I want to like it and I'll still, I'll continue watching it and um, there's enough in it to, to enjoy, but it's not, it doesn't quite capture even like shooting stars, you know, which had a, you know, it, it was riotous and this isn't quite so riotous. Well, oh, that's I'm enjoying not the result. So that's not the result you wanted, Andy, is it? You wanted John to come down strongly on your side. Yeah, not see, necessarily. I not comment on Twitter yet, you see. <laughs> not, not necessarily. You know, I, this podcast can tolerate different opinions. Can you really? Can you? No. Are you going to edit out this whole section? <laughs> no, That's I'm what's going to happen, isn't it? Okay. But then there's lots of humour. I think I've got a weird sense of humour. Because there's a lot of things on TV that I don't like that other people seem to rave about. What is it? No. I'm not, I'm not good with kind of... Um, I don't know what, what the word is. It's like, uh, you know, I was never a massive fan of The Office. I no, was I never a massive fan of Parks and Recreations or whatever it's called. You know, so uh, perhaps perhaps it's me. Perhaps I've got no sense of humour. I don't like things, I mean, this isn't an I don't like things that are crude. I don't like crude, crass humour. You were just talking about pulling a set of testicles across an but entire somehow room. Somehow that's, somehow that's <laughs> different. I don't know why. I, I justify it in a different way. But it's very silly. I mean, it it's, is, it's yeah. so obviously not testicles that it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's a bit of silliness, but but yeah, like you're saying, parts in recreation. I think is very similar because actually the first series of that wasn't particularly funny, but everyone raved about the future series, and I thought, well, I'll have to get get through it. And now I'm on season two and sort of get you know catching up with that. It is a lot funnier. It's, it has picked up its stride. Uh, uh, but again, I think that's maybe an acquired taste. Yeah, I just, uh, humor's a funny one, isn't it? You know, it, it's never going to be, there's never going to be something that appeals to everybody. I think everybody's got a slightly different thing of what, you know, what really makes them laugh. I don't watch a lot of comedy, to be honest. I mean, I might, you know, watch an episode of, um, you know, Have I Got News For You every now and again, you know, if I'm just bored and there's something on iPlayer. But I don't, I don't watch comedy shows. Yeah, for me, it seems like the things that I really find funny are, are sarcasm so charlie brooker's weekly wipes i just love with mm. passion i will sit and laugh my ass off the, through the whole of that so yeah there's d- different yeah different people like different things um yeah i just don't think of like new comedies because i think the kind of the comedies i particularly like are all the graham linehan ones um it crowd black yeah. books father ted yeah and they're all ones that actually pretty much you know, our children are now watching too and enjoying. Mm. So I've never watched any of those. Oh, just, I mean, just fantastically written. I think some classics like the IT crowd where the, um, uh, Moss is on countdown. I think you have to watch it. And I think, I think also as a geek, you'll recognize lots of subtle things in the backgrounds of the, of the IT department that, you know, that you'll have a knowing wink about. I, and this is again, cause you know, I'm of a certain generation, but I used to love things like porridge and open all hours because I used to love Ronnie Barker and I caught the first five minutes of what do they call it still open all hours where David Jason has taken on the role Mm -hmm. oh god it's abysmal oh it is just I mean I think Johnny Vegas is in it as well and why why is he there (laughs) it just it 
Oh, no. Talk about laugh a minute. It's like laugh every 24 hours. But you see, with open all hours and porridge, it was Ronnie Barker wrote a big chunk of it, you know, and, and, and that I think for, for me, good comedy is about the writing. You know, if you, that's why, um, you know, some of these things, you know, the, the ones that you just listed a minute ago, John, you know, that they've got that kind of spark of of a writer behind them that really brings them alive. I mean, IT crowd, I just, I just find a, a work of genius. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's very, really very solid. They say really solid writing. They've got an idea, um, that works. And I think one of the things with House of Fools is that Vic and Bob are really restricting themselves into this situation. Mm. Whereas, you know, we're, we're, they can't, they let the imagination go too far almost. You know, they've got to keep it within these characters and within these, this, the, these sets. So I think that's maybe one of the things that I'm not so, not so keen on. Yeah. Oh, Mind well. You, I don't we'll, know if have to, we'll have to see how this series goes, I yeah. think. Now, 15 minutes into our little after-show segment, I reckon all the boring people have gone, right? So, <laughs> Oh, they're boring people, are they? The yeah, people they're all, yeah, PHP think, developers. Th- 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 PHP th- things would do better to do with their lives. Yeah, they've all gone <laughs> by this point. I, so, I, I want to talk about two things. Yeah. Doctor Who Locations Guide. Oh, I know yeah. We, I know we said that we weren't going to talk about bicycles, but... Mm. Are you actually going to do a bike ride around locations? Because that sounds very cool. Well, it's uh, there's one locally that I can do, which is a. It would be a good day's worth because you can go up uh, to a couple of a location not that far from me, probably about two or three miles, and there's a couple further down south, a really nice little village called East Hagbourne, and and I just thought, oh yeah, I could I could tie these together. I could do um, you know, from home I could do an easy bike ride. Um, probably be a good sort of fifty. To 55 miles or so round trip, but it would, it'd be brilliant. Um, but as, as doing like other locations around Britain, I probably gonna not. That's <laughs> no. probably gonna take a lot of time that I don't have. <laughs> so, but at least that one I can do in the day. So I could call it the, you know, the Android invasion ride and I could, you know, go and visit the uh, locations because one of them is a quarry. I mean, you know, Doc 2 is nothing but a quarry. And the other big news. Not that we're talking about Doctor Who at all, because mm. we're not. We're not talking about Doctor Who. We're talking no. about Lego. Well, you're not. I'm not. We're talking about Lego Doctor oh, Who. Yeah. Where is all my money going to go? I know. That's <laughs> the problem, isn't it? <laughs> it's going to be horrendously expensive. They've just released these, um, I think, called Lego Birds. Don't know if you've seen them. Um, they're really well done, but they're, they are small, and they're £40 each. Oh. And, and you think, if, if something that tiny... What the, what the Doc 2 Lego sets are going to cost. But, you know, I could, I could remortgage. I can sell a kidney. I can. Well, that's what you have children for, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. What, for selling kidneys? <laughs> no, yeah. Sell, sell their body parts or, you know, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, Where would yeah. you put them though? What, the where children? Put... No, not the children. <laughs> where <would> you... In <laughs> the, the quarries. That's where the children go. They go in quarries. <laughs> <laughs> now, where would you put the Doctor Who Lego? I don't know because I've got so many other toys and <laughs> crap crap around. It's like it's all going to fight for space, isn't it? And you're the same. You've got loads of uh, apes. Well, funny you should ask. But mm. while we're away in Australia, Neil the decorator is putting some shelves up in my studio at home, mm. um, and we're wiring in like LED strip lights ah, to light yes. up my action figures. So you, oh, this stuff is very cool. By the way, we digress, but you can get. 
LED, you can probably get this from the motorhome, LED lights on like self-adhesive tape. Yep. Yeah. They come in strips and then you just wire them into a little transformer somewhere, plug it in it's, the wall. They're brilliant. We've just had some installed in the kitchen under the breakfast bar. And with the guy who did it said, it comes on this big roll, so you can may as well have the rest. So we've got this long strip of these colour-changing LEDs that I've got to find some use for somewhere. Ooh, bathroom. Mm, oh, that's a good idea. Like that. But we're going to have little LED lights underneath. What I did was I found these, they're called Ribber, and they're bookshelves, narrow shelves that you get in Ikea. Oh, uh, yeah. And... They're basically, they've got like a little lip at the front of them. So you can stand photos or books or something like that. The problem with most shelves is that they're really deep, like 20 odd centimeters. Mm. These things are like nine centimeters deep. So I can put them on the chimney breast without sticking out too far. And they've got this little lip and I can tuck the LED lights behind that and then light up my apes action figures. Ah, fantastic. So, so that was, a, that was a very leading question then when you were saying, or oh, how you, where are you going to put them? <laughs> he basically he wanted us yeah. to ask him. Yeah. <laughs> but no, the coolest thing that I've the coolest thing that I've ever seen in somebody else's house is our friend Aaron Walter again. He has a Millennium Falcon on his mantelpiece. That wouldn't fit. It's not the real size. It's like a big <laughs> scale model. It might even be the Lego one. I can't remember which one it is now. But it sort of sits flat above the mantelpiece like you know like the portrait of your grandfather except it's a millennium falcon you see that's uh, cool and his wife bought it for him what a cool oh, wife yeah. yeah i'm just having a look on the iq website so are these like a it's called a picture ledge is that's that the thing yeah, yeah. And they're really thin great. and then you can put them either if you put them sort of the real way up you get the lips sort of at the front yeah but if you mount the shelves upside down which is what i'm going to do Mm. You get a wider base for putting the action figures on, and then you can hide the LED and all the wiring behind the little lip that hangs down. Oh, right. I know what I'm doing this weekend. (laughs) That's great. Yeah, perfect. Genius. I know. And inexpensive too. So Sue's going to, she's like, well, she's just resigned to the fact that every time a box arrives now, it's like, is that more plastic crap? Oh, well, see, I was in a Forbidden Planet in Cardiff last Friday, and I kept looking at apes thinking, do you know, he's probably got this one. He's probably got this one as well. Mm, well. I, I, the, you have to sort of have some sort of online wish list because get that feeling that it'll be somewhere and there'll be some you know, essential piece that you're missing. And Well, there's a NECA, N-E-C-A, they're a North, they're an American toy manufacturer, and mm. they're the ones that are making this classic run of Planet of the Apes action figures now. And they've released two sets of them. And then the third set, I think, comes out in March. And this is the one that I want because it's got gorillas in red boiler suits. <laughs> now, I was dredging my memory for the first time that I remember, actually, you know, as a kid, you know, in the sort of early 70s, mm. watching Planet of the Apes. And it wasn't the 1968 Charlton Heston one because I was like, you know, what was I then? Three. So it right. wasn't that. It was the fir- my first experience of the apes was Escape from the Planet of... No, sorry, um, Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, which is the one where the, um, the, the gorillas basically, you know, the gorillas and chimpanzees and Caesar, they all riot, and they're all wearing these red boiler suits. Mm. And the cover, uh-huh. the cover of the little kind of um, pan paperback 
had a shot, a night shot of these gorillas holding up the butts of rifles, um, you know, doing what they were doing at the end of the film, not to spoil it for anyone. And that is the iconic image to me for Planet of the Apes. It's, the, it's a rioting bunch of gorillas in red boiler suits. And, Each to their own. I know, exactly. And that's the that nostalgic thing. And this new set of Nika action figures is going to have a gorilla in a red boiler suit, but it comes with a whole load of accessories. So, you know, some have got riot shields and some have got picks and some have got guns and all this stuff. I'm going to buy about eight. <laughs> And have like an army, basically. I'm going to basically have a gorilla army. In fact, they made a uh, an infantry two-pack of gorillas in the last series. What, so a two-pack Shakur? You do get... Not two-pack. You do get... So I now have... I actually have four regular gorilla soldiers, and I'm soon to have about eight of my rioting gorillas. I reckon if you sold all of these apes, you could buy that motorhome that you envy. <laughs> I actually need to do a bit of an inventory because one of the gorilla hot toys that I have is worth about 800 quid. Crikey. Mm. See, could do. Get your priorities right, But I don't smoke anymore. You know, think of the money that I used to smoke away every day. Don't do that anymore. I went in the shop the other day. I was in London and I needed to find some directions to somewhere. And I went into like the little corner shop to ask because Google was no help. And I do this thing whenever I go and buy petrol or I go into a little shop that sells cigarettes, I'll have a look to see how much a pack of 20 red Marlboros is because that's what I used to smoke. Mm-hmm. And this shop in London was selling a pack of 20 for £10. Whoa! <laughs> I used to burn, I used to go through like a pack and a half of those a day. Gosh, I could buy a lot of Scotch eggs with that. 